Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Boat Hunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Tacticam. Tacticam is by far the easiest way to begin filming your hunts. Whether it's the budget-friendly Solo or the 4K 5.0, Tacticam has something for everyone. Check them out at Tacticam.com. This year we are also working with Spartan Forge. And finally, today, September 15th, is the day that the app is set to launch. Uh, So you can go on to SpartanForge.ai and use the code BOWHUNTER to save 25%. And if you haven't been checking out their social media Instagram, Facebook, their posts with the screenshots of everything that this app has to offer. Uh, Basically what Spartan Forge is, is artificial intelligence for the deer woods. So instead of old timey uh, farmer's almanac, you're using collared deer studies, uh, weather patterns, 30 years of weather history, um, car deer accidents, all of this to predict deer movement when and where they're going to move so if you haven't checked this out go over to at least very least their instagram and look at some of these screenshots but spartanforge.ai and they have been having a 14-day trial Um, i'm not sure if that's going to continue with uh, the launch of the app but you can use code bowhunter to save 25 percent this has been a long time coming. I know Bill's got to be super excited uh, for this to finally be out. Uh, but today's the day, September 15th, we are going to see the live app. Uh, so excited. Again, SpartanForge.ai. This week's podcast, we're talking to uh, our most frequent guest, a good friend of ours, Tim Clark. He's also one of our Patreons. And we're talking about all of the questions that we have seen around social media and as we get closer to seasons, seasons are already starting about 
saddle hunting, the cost incurred, what do you need? Um, you know, it can be overwhelming. Um, so we just kind of sit down and I know probably a lot of you are saying like, where the hell were you six months ago when we were talking about this, when we were, uh, trying to figure out our systems and all of that. But, um, I just thought at this point, you know, we should go through and kind of talk about like what you need, what you don't need. There's so many guys that are posting on Facebook, um, in search of a full setup right now, you know, for us is going to be 15 days before the season. So, um, you know, what do you really need? Is it prudent to start right now before the season? Um, and so we just wanted to kind of cover that, that topic. Um, I mentioned that Tim is one of our Patreons. We talk a lot about Patreon and our, um, uh, podcast Marco Polo group, because a lot of these questions, uh, had come up in there and that's kind of what brought this to the forefront. So we had, uh, Tim jump on here and, uh, kind of talk through this with us. Uh, but Patreon is a crowdfunding for creators. Uh, this week, uh, new Patreon, Chris Kerr out of Ohio. Um, so Chris and, uh, Travis Lee, uh, from, uh, last week from Illinois, I got to get your shirt sizes so I can get those shirts, uh, sent out to you guys, um, send out a swag pack for all of the Patreons that support us. And, uh, then we do quarterly giveaways. So quarterly giveaways, um, we are partnered with Tacticam. Tacticam is giving away, uh, one of their LR spotters. Uh, so basically, um, it is, uh, souped up, uh, standalone, uh, LCD screen, flip up, uh, hooks onto your, uh, spotting scope and you can record, you can zoom in with your spotting scope and you can zoom in, uh, digitally and record everything. Super excited about that. And along with this podcast, we're talking about all the saddle stuff. So I now have in my possession, everything that we're giving away for the saddle kit that we are giving away, we're giving away a latitude method. Um, so that's their new two piece saddle. Uh, that's from latitude. We got those new, uh, magnets that help hold it up. Um, incredibly comfortable. That's what John's hunting out of. Um, I may end up hunting out of one of those by the end of the year. Um, but I'm sticking to the classic. We have the new trophy line, eight millimeter ropes, a trophy line EDP, um, as well as a set of tethered one sticks. So yeah, the set of tethered one sticks that tethered sent us, they said, do a review on them and you can give them away. So we're kind of covering the whole gamut, latitude, trophy line, tethered, um, all friends of ours, and we are giving away a full saddle kit. So, uh, you know, just go to patreon.com forward slash Boner Chronicles podcast. You can click on the link uh, on our website. Uh, you can get signed up for that, but we're also uh, partnered with Basemap. So Basemap is giving away one of their pro packs. So Basemap is, you know, we just had a podcast with Ed and talking about all the features, all of the uh, mapping, um, you know, their maps, uh, their features that they've got on their um, you know, they have the, we talk a little bit about it on here, I think with the, um, you know, they have the, the windicator on there where you can, uh, click on it and it shows you the wind cone. Um, it's got the new, um, distance indicator. So you can, uh, tap where you're looking at it and you can zoom in and out to show, uh, distances, um, 
incredible, um, and an incredible value. So it's $30 a year for the entire country, whereas some of the other ones are $30 a year for just one state. And you can use code bowhunter, uh, excuse me, you can use code chronicles to save 20% on that, making it $2 a month or $24 a year. Uh, so if you're not using any mapping software, um, certainly worth it, but they are giving away one of their pro packs as well as a swag pack with a shirt and a hat. Uh, Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge is giving away uh, a one-year subscription to their service, as well as uh, Zinger Fletchings. So we talk uh, about the Zinger Fletchings uh, using them this year. Um, for guys that don't have the time to fletch their arrows, that they're just not into that. Um, these are compression fit, 3D printed fletchings that slide right on, um, and they work great, fly great. I've been using them all this year. Shout out to Total Archery Challenge. Uh, they're friends of ours, and they're giving away one of theirs as well. So all of that goes out to, you know, all the different uh, Patreons. So we're giving away, you know, four or five, six different things um, to our Patreons just to give back to say thank you. If that's not for you, not a big deal. Tell somebody else about the podcast. You got a friend that wants to get into saddle hunting. He's trying to tell you about all this stuff that you need to that he needs to have, that you need to try, that all that. Say, so, hey, man, listen to this podcast. These guys have been doing it for a little bit. Tim's been doing it for a long time. Um, you know, just point them towards this podcast or one of the other ones um, and leave us a review. So, you know, tell us what we're doing well. Tell us, you know, what we can improve on. Uh, get a hold of us. Shoot us a DM. Say, hey, you know, what about this guy, this guest? Have you heard about this? Um, let us know. We're trying to make the best podcast that we can, and we appreciate everybody that listens. So thanks a lot. Enjoy the episode. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Hunter Chronicles podcast. We got a slightly under the weather uh, John here. I seem to be like somewhat out of sorts uh, today. This is the first time I haven't come over to John's and given him something. I have no new uh, gear to, to offload. And uh, I haven't worn a hat today at all. I didn't realize that when I got out of the vehicle here, got out of the Jeep. And I think it's probably like one of the first days, like probably in over a year at least, that I haven't worn a hat. So wearing this headset feels weird. Everything feels weird. But what doesn't feel weird is uh, we have our most frequent guest on the podcast. I know I have asked that before, and some of you guys maybe are already knowing who it is. Uh, perhaps, perhaps not. Uh, for people that are just joining the show, new listeners, and we've had a ton of those lately. Um, we've got uh, our, our good friend, Tim Clark, on the line. How are you doing tonight, Tim? Hey, I'm great, Adam. How are you? Good. Good. Um, you know, so Tim is... Uh, well, why don't you give us an introduction, Tim, about, you know, we're going to talk um, a little bit of uh, saddle equipment tonight. So uh, why don't you give us a little introduction, Tim? All right. So where to start? I guess uh, it was about 2008 when I got my first trophy line tree saddle and started, well, pretty much going about 50% of the time saddle. Pretty much until I don't know, about a year or two before tethered came to the picture. So for a handful of years now, I've been pretty much you know 100% saddle hunting. I've played around with a whole lot of 
DIY stuff before we had actual legitimate equipment and uh, like we do now and pretty much played with everything that's out there. So quite a bit of history with saddle stuff. I'm no, I wouldn't say I'm a like a gear nut as far as that goes. I don't have a bin full of them like you do, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't own every brand there is out there, but um, yeah, I've been on the, the tethered field staff here now for a couple of years. And uh, so one of the things that I really enjoy doing and really get a kick out of is doing like the teach and train events. And so that's kind of, that's my cup of tea. I started doing that the, the year that tethered launched. Um, I met up with those guys down at uh, saddle Palooza and we were talking about needing to be able to, have a place where people can get their hands on equipment and try it all out. And that kind of birthed my first saddle demo day. And since then I've just been organizing those every time I've got a free weekend on the calendar that looks like it'll be conducive to getting a whole bunch of people together and showing off equipment. So it's been a fun ride here for the last few years doing that. So, And so um, I guess from that, uh, introduction. I, I would, I would say this, um, for, you know, guys like John and I who are doing our best in this world, um, to stay objective, like completely objective. Um, even though Tim is on the, the tethered pro staff and, uh, he almost, I mean, kind of spearheaded, started whatever, like the tethered teaching trains, um, I don't feel like Tim is ever a, like the quote unquote fanboy of, of <laughs> tethered, you know, I mean, but I don't have that t-shirt yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they do have it. So, I mean, it's, yeah. you, you'll probably get one with this package that's going to, uh, Austin's and, uh, for anybody like even remotely close to the West side of Michigan or within uh, a, a couple hours drive, um, uh, August 25th, um, go check out Genesis 3d printings, uh, website. They are putting together, I think he's calling it a saddle tune up, um, event. Um, and so we are gonna, I'm going to be there, um, for a couple hours, September 25th, September 25th. Yeah. What oh, did I say? I thought you said August. I was like next oh, year. Maybe I did. I don't know. September 25th. Well, maybe I'm just hearing shit. I don't know. But my yeah. freaking ears well, are I forgot to say up. it last time, and I've been talking to Austin about it. Um, but he's going to have, you know, all of his products. And, I mean, for the Muskegon teaching train event that Tim came to, I mean, I had all the saddles, but Austin has, like, every single stick, like, known to man, and then all of his products that go along with it. Um, so there's going to be, like, another mega demo, and they've got a bunch of stuff uh, going on. And, and Tim's going to be there. Um, but I think it's safe to say that, you know, Tim is extremely objective. And when he says he's not a, a gear nut, I think that that's maybe an understatement or he's more on the level of like John, where he uh, appreciates like good quality gear and, you know, likes all of the options. I don't know. What would you say, Tim? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I'm just not, uh, I'm not so into it that I'm going to buy everything that comes out to the market just to try it. But that's one of the things that I love about doing these demo days is you get to actually get your hands on a lot of stuff and without having to pay for it, you know, 
but yeah, I like the finer things. Um, <laughs> I will not lie about that. I, I have no problem spending a little bit of money on, on the premium products and stuff, but I just, I, I tend to find what I like and sort of stick with it for the most part. Um, as long as it works with my system, I'm very methodical. And so once I find something that fits into my kit and I can make it a part of my method, whether it's for climbing or part of my, uh, my pack system, anything, I like to keep it all as the same as it can be throughout the whole season. So I don't like to have too many options where I get confused about what I have in my pack. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the point behind this podcast is, so uh, Tim's also one of our uh, Patreons. He, he supports the show and we can't thank him enough for that. But in our Marco Polo group, we've got a lot of guys that are, you know, kind of just getting into saddle hunting or trying to find that, you know, that, that happy place between like, the absolute perfect setup and, you know, not spending, you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars to get, to get set up. So I wanted to go through, you know, the cost of saddle hunting, uh, maybe minimums, maximums, kind of what do you actually need? Uh, why saddle hunting myths, misconceptions, kind of like all of that sort of thing. And I couldn't think of anybody better to do it than, than Tim, just because, he was around before the big giant saddle boom of, you know, that Tim and tethered created with the teaching trains and, <laughs> and all that. So, um, I guess from that starting point, Tim, like for someone who's thinking about saddle hunting and you know, you, you're on all of the Facebook groups and things that I am. And, and every day I see guys that say, uh, you know, and, you know, you, you have actually already been out hunting on, on Michigan's youth hunt. And some of these seasons are already open and it just boggles my mind that I see guys say on there in search of full saddle setup, PayPal ready. Like they want to, they want to saddle hunt right now. They just want the, the quick, easy, let's do this. So let's start from like the basics of saddle hunting and what are the things that you absolutely have to have? Yeah. So this is one of the things that when we were talking about putting this together and having this conversation, there's sort of two paths that I, I think most people take. Um, so you've either been a, a hang on tree stand hunter and now you want to get into a saddle or you've been a climber hunter and now you want to get into a saddle. And there's, there's a whole lot of difference between the two when you're trying to migrate into the saddle stuff, because if you've been in a, in a hang on tree stand, you've already got some climbing sticks. If you're a mobile hunter, anyways, you've got some, you know, some decent sticks, whether they're lone wolves or XOP or Hawk or muddies or whatever they are, there's a ton of different sticks. And, uh, if you've already got those, you've got half the battle figured out because now all you have to do is up your tree stand for a platform rather, and then plop out your safety harness for a saddle. And so it's sort of the same, you know, you're still climbing up your same stick and you're just instead of hanging a big tree stand. You're basically just hanging the seat of a tree stand as far as size goes. So for most guys that are trying to get into it that way, it's a lot easier than having a guy like we've got one guy on our, um, on our Patreon group, our polo group that he's going from the climber 
to the full saddle setup and it's you know it's a night and day difference because now you've got to figure out a climbing method and that costs money and it adds weight and so you know you might have a 15 pound climber and now if you go buy some sticks some sticks are really really light but you got to pay a whole lot of money for them the cheap sticks are you know two and a half pounds a stick usually to three pounds something like that uh, for like a set of hawks and you throw stuff on there for too long before you even put the saddle on you've got almost the same weight as your climber so you kind of have to figure out what you're trying to accomplish with it and if it's reducing the bulk of a climber on your back you can do it real easily sometimes you got to work harder to get away from still carrying some weight then getting rid of the harness and putting on a saddle i think is the part that you can start to accessorize to the point where you're paying you know twenty dollars for a pouch and if you want the you know the extra bougie one with extra pouches and you know <laughs> little compartments in it you can spend 30 bucks on one and you do that a couple of times and then throw on extra components that are like you know your your uh ropemans or kong ducks things that you don't really need though a center because you just need like a prussic to hold on to your rope so there's a lot of little add-on costs that people seem to find and you see it all the time. Like, I mean, you've read all those those forums and Facebook groups and everything. And people are like, man, I thought this would be cheap. And so much for a $200 saddle, I've got $600 into it by the time I'm done. And it's you can add a whole bunch of stuff on that you really don't need. So sort of the, the basics, you know, and this is a long way to answer your question. But, you know, the basics, you need the saddle and you need your ropes and something to stand on you know you're you're going to need a way to climb the tree so we're not going to call that really saddle equipment that's i think separate from the saddle but not to mention there's a wide variety of different sizes weights costs to all that stuff so it doesn't really it doesn't fit into the into the mold of you know is that a necessary piece of equipment for saddle hunting because there's there's so much variety there the saddle you know you don't really need pouches on them i mean everybody's got a backpack of some sort and uh whether or not you're hunting out of a tree stand or a saddle you can use the same backpack so and then all the other accessories that go with it you need a bow hanger you can make those really cheap i find you know there's a lot of companies out there that sell pretty good bow hangers and equipment hangers accessory things feathered included but i mean it's really simple to take a 12 foot piece of paracord and tie little knots little loops in it every eight inches or so and then throw a cam jam on the end of it wrap it around the tree and hang your bow from it you know and everything else those are really cheap and simple ways to um you know to sort of get into it because it i mean it gets really expensive if you try to get everything all at the same time yeah. Or by a whole lot of them like you. you know? <laughs> well, I mean, the the beauty of like what we do is, you know, I and and John to the same point is like we don't like to talk about something if we don't like have any firsthand experience with it or ha- have no intention of of trying it out or or whatever because it doesn't it doesn't serve anybody any good. Right. Um, and then 
to answer questions like you're doing right now, if you had, if this was your first year of saddle hunting, you would be completely biased or close-minded simply because you don't have experience with anything else. And, and that's, you know, how I tend to answer questions for guys who say like, what do you think about, I'm going to buy this saddle or looking for a saddle or this is the best or whatever. It's like, well, yeah, okay. But like, what's your style of hunting? You know, and there's a lot of guys that I find in, you know, maybe you can, you can educate me on this, I would say, but guys that hunt like private land and stuff who are like looking to get into saddle hunting. And they are, they're still looking at like all of these, um, you know, expensive sticks and stuff like that. I mean, like I talked at length with John Eberhardt and he's like, go buy some rebar and cut it down and jam it into some trees. And you have a hundred presets out there. You know, you can oh be. My, yeah. I've got a bucket, literally like a five gallon bucket full of screw in climbing steps. And on my home property here, I've got trees that are set up with screw-in steps and with just the cheap uh, ladder sticks, you know, the sectional ones that are like, you know, four-foot sections. I'll go out there and I'll preset. I've probably got 15 trees out back that are set up like that. I'll just climb up those steps and onto my platforms. Now, I've got a few predator platforms, so I've got the ability to leave a couple up and still have mine for my mobile setup. But yeah, that's what my boys and I do. When we go out there, we climb right up just regular cheap ladder sticks that you can go buy from Menards or Dunham's or Meyer. I was just going to say Menards at the end <laughs> yeah. of the year, you can get a whole set of them for like 30 bucks. I've got a trailer full of them. <laughs> yeah. I got, I don't know. I got like six or eight of them out in my shed. <laughs> yep. I almost can't walk by those racks without buying a set when they're out there. So, but they're great, you know, for, for somebody that's not going to hunt mobile. And, and that's a tricky thing, like, because the saddle is really ideal for mobile. I, I know on private land, when I'm hunting private land, like my home property here and stuff, sometimes it's just easier to have a preset tree stand hanging out there. I have a couple of spots where I've had tree stands hanging for years that I just go out there and I fresh them up every year and put a fresh strap on them and they're good to go. But I just don't use them that much. But, um, you know, the thing that comes to mind is I, I used to lease a farm. It was pretty good sized, And we would have, you know, there's a handful of us leasing it and we'd had our own spots that were kind of, this is my tree stand. This is my area. And, he kind of took charge of that. But if you wanted to go somewhere else, it was kind of a pain in the butt because you didn't want to go really hang a stand, but that's where the saddle was ideal. I could go, you know, if the deer were coming out in the corner of a field in a certain spot and nobody else was over there, you know, I could move to that spot the next day or move down a little ways. Actually, the first, <laughs> the first time I, I pulled, it was a real similar scenario to what, John Eberhart talks about with his buddy that couldn't kill a deer. And John, you know, he tells that story quite a bit about how he climbed, you know, 10 feet above where the other guy had been hunting and killed one. I did a similar thing to that and, you know, just moved over 15 yards into a different tree and killed this doe that kept coming out and 
spotting me every time she came out. (laughs) (laughs) They're perfect for that stuff, you know? So with all everything that's out there and I mean, you reference the Tota saddles. I mean, you've, you've seen basically just about everything that's out there on the market and you were around, you know, for the days of the, you know, we talked about the, the dryad and the, the fleece blanket saddles and the, um, sit drags and all of that. So for people that are trying to get into it and trying to figure out if it might be for them or whatever, um, what is like, in your opinion, the cheapest, most, maybe not the cheapest, but maybe the most inexpensive, um, safe, reliable, uh, setup or way to go? That's a tough question. Um, uh- <laughs> Well, and to be honest, I mean, I, I am shopped for every brand of saddle out there. So I don't know what the retail price is of every saddle that's out there, but, um, you know, you can pretty easily get into a saddle just basic without any pouches or anything extra, you know, between 150 and $200 pretty easily now. And your ropes you know, for less than a hundred dollars, you can get into a good set of ropes. Probably going to be, you know, just basic prussics on them. But <clears throat> uh, before you go into throwing in mechanical ascenders and and doing all that stuff, you can fully function with just some cheap, uh, like the the tender products. I mean, shoot, there's so many people out there that are 3D printing and selling stuff through Eastern woods, you know, you can find all sorts of different Prusik tenders that'll work really well. Um, and that lowers the cost of entry for sure. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to, to splurge on extra things like, you know, Doyle's gear hoist and stuff like that, where you can get by with a paracord, you know, <laughs> who doesn't have a, an old paracord hoist rope that came with their tree stand or whatever. So, um, the set oh, for for less than three hundred dollars, easily, um, you should be able to get into a saddle and ropes, um, and then you can at least safely climb and and hang from the tree and be able to be able to hunt from it. And then you know you can you can use your pack to put everything that you would put into your dump pouches. In matter of fact, like <laughs> this is funny. Like uh, I talk to John Eberhart frequently, you know, and uh, <laughs> he hates dump pouches. He just, he constantly tells me, man, I can't believe anybody would hang anything from their saddle. It's just another thing that can move around. And, and, uh, it's the truth. I mean, there's, there's the ability to, to have extra things moving around and stuff. And it's really not a necessity. It's just, it makes things more convenient. So, I mean, I have them on my saddle, but, uh, you can put everything in just a cheap backpack and you've got everything that you need. So, now, as far as brands go, I think you might be a little bit better at answering that question yourself. I mean, as far you know, what's the retail price of you know, everything out there? Because I mean, there's there's so many good saddles, and that's one of the really cool things about this boom in the market has been it's brought so many quality pieces of equipment, you know, right to our fingertips. So, you know, thinking of 
you know, the tote that I had here, your tote, uh, you know, kind of looking through all that stuff, you know, there was a TX five and the, I'm trying to think my favorite ones out of those. Um, now obviously I'm partial to my tethered setup cause I mean, I'm real comfortable with it, but TX five was super comfortable. Um, the latitude was really comfortable. Um, cruiser, another good one. Um, now I did not, I did not spend a whole lot of time with that dryad one. Um, I felt like I was trying to hang a parachute from my back. <laughs> so I would need a, a little bit of coaching on that one, but, but, you know, there was a handful of saddles in there that were just great, you know, and it's, I mean, it's awesome. You know, you can shop around if you want to buy, you know, pay retail prices for them. But a lot of, a lot of these companies now have discount codes, um, especially for veterans, um, first responders and stuff. So, you know, those are really cool resources to tap into, you know, you can save some money on that stuff. And then the used market, you know, you talk about all the people that are chiming in saying, Hey, I'm in the market for a new saddle PayPal ready, you know, for every one of those, there's a dozen other ones that are trying to offload equipment because they either want to try something different, didn't like what they had, or, you know, for whatever reason, there's plenty of stuff on the used market, but, well, yeah, I think about that every time I see one of those and I'm like, oh, I should probably keep that tote around to show everybody else. <laughs> That's why we have it, you know, but I'm like, geez, man, like <laughs> I pretty much got every one that exists, um, yep. you know, or, yep. or something. Um, so what do you, so I think one of the things that's like the most shocking um, is the cost of the ropes. Um, and, and so I understand like the sewn eyes and uh, all of that, like keeps the integrity of the actual strength of the rope um, and everything. But like, so when I started with our first hanging hunt set up, I mean, I'm, it's funny cause I'm looking at a whole bunch of eight millimeter rope here, but I bought some 12 millimeter. I probably bought eight millimeter climbing rope. Matter of fact, and I just made my own linemen's out of that. I bought, you know, a hundred feet of it or something. And then I used completely out of spec and I can't believe I'm still alive. Uh, a ropeman, uh, a ropeman one on that, uh, yeah. for that first year. But that was like you said, you know, go from hanging a big, uh, stand to that. And I just happened to have it. So I, that's where I, rather than spend the, you know, 70 bucks on a lineman's rope, I'm like, well, I'm going to make my own. I rope modded my sticks and I spent the extra money, on the ropeman, which was definitely worth it. Um, but like, so where do you stand on like, say taking like one of those muddy lifelines that you can get for like 50 bucks, that's 30 feet long with three prussics on it and making a tether alignment out of that. Well, I've done it. <laughs> I mean, for somebody who's just starting out, that's worried about like the actual cost, you know? Yeah. I mean, for, my first tether that, well, I shouldn't say my first one. My first one was the old, the original trophy line strap. But then the first rope that I used was a lifeline from a hunter safety system. And, you know, same concept as what our ropes are now. Um, now, granted, I have no idea what the weight rating and 
any of the the technical specs of that rope, but I know that it was to be used as, you know, a fall arrest device. So, I mean, I was using it with my hunter safety system strapped into it and it was supposed to catch me if I fell. So I figure if I have a static load on it instead of a dynamic load, it's probably going to be fine. So I used that for a couple of years where I just hung from my hunter safety system line in a Prusik and a cheap, heavy carabiner and uh, the one that came with it. And I was good to go. I did that for a couple of years and, and I didn't die, but <laughs> Well, one thing when you were talking about wrestling with the uh, the dryad, I was thinking in my head that Tim's about the size of a mouse, and he buys full length arrows so he can cut them in half and get two per one. So, I mean, it might be. Well, you know, it makes it a whole lot cheaper buying arrows, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and the other thing, you know, my. My standing joke is, you know, I get to use my sis haulers as sleeping bags too. So. <laughs> now, when you talk about like static and dynamic and the the weight ratings and all of that with these ropes, and you know, maybe John can chime in on this too because I wouldn't say that John is like a safety nut, but he understands like the mechanics and physics and all of that of this sort of stuff, like. Uh, on on some level, are we overthinking this uh, Sterling Oplux and such, where we've got nine thousand pound rated ropes and and things? I think everything that we can adopt from the the climbing and arborist world, the the better we are as far as safety goes. Um, now, granted, you know, like I said a couple minutes ago, like the the hunter safety system or the muddy lifeline ropes or whatever, they work just fine. Um, but I think what we're seeing is more and more people are getting into this stuff and, you know, you're literally trusting your life on that rope. So to me, I would rather see somebody spend, you know, spend twice as much money on a rope that was designed for the purpose that we're using it for than for the, well, hopefully you'll never fall out of your tree stand, but if you do, it'll hold you once purpose, you know, because um, really they say if you do, you know, if you take a fall in your hunter safety system, you're supposed to throw that equipment away, including the ropes, if it catches a fall. So now I don't know how many people actually do that, but, you know, that's to me, I think you take a, a good piece of climbing rope that. Um, is rated for what we're doing with it. You know, it's it's meant to be under load. It's meant to keep you alive should you fall a little bit. And uh, I don't know. For that, I'm I'm willing to spend the money on it myself because um, really, it's not that much. You're talking the difference of even if you're doubling the cost, it's you know you're taking a you know fifteen dollar rope and making it a thirty dollar rope or well, that's not even a fair comparison anymore. Most of the ropes now are, you know, about 50 bucks. So that's a, that's not a lot of money in the grand scheme of things. You know, how many times do you blow 50 bucks on, you know, you walk through Walmart and see a cheap trail camera and buy that just so you can get pictures of deer. Well, this is something that you're going <laughs> to, you know, you're going to trust your life to that 50 bucks ought to be a little easier to spend on right. that. 
Well, not only that, like the cheap ropes are obviously, I mean, they're load rated, whatever, but when you go to pack them up, they're stiff, you know, and they don't, uh, the, the Oplex ropes that we have, man, you, you could put five of those in one of the dump pouches and not even know it where like the first rope I used that thing. I mean, I'd had to have one pouch per, per rope. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I actually freaked out on Saturday. Uh, Nolan and I were walking out. We were going to climb a tree there, you know, or youth hunt deal and got to the base of the tree and I was getting all situated to start climbing. And I actually, there wasn't enough bulk in my, my pouch on my left. And I'm like, Oh no, did I leave my tether back at the truck? And you know, cause this is the first year that I've switched over to these eight millimeter ropes. Right. And, uh, so yeah, I, they're not nearly the bulk that the 11 millimeter were. <laughs> and I was like, Oh man, I left my rope, but Nope. It was coiled up right in the bottom of the pouch, right where I left it. So, so John, can you talk about this? Cause you, you had explained this to me like a little bit, like, so the, um, like the nylon winch ropes that you could buy at like Harbor Freight or whatever, or what is online on Amazon that a guy might buy and say, Oh, I got some am steel, like, type stuff like the difference because they look the same. And like, to me, I mean, so all three of us have seen like the material that the bridge is made out of on the Hawk saddle. And so to me, that is what that resembles. Right. But like, but the am steel is, I mean, that shit's like what I have in my quad, like what we use for toe straps and shit. But I mean, there's no. like there because John and I had had this conversation before, and there's like the real am steel, and then there's this other stuff that's like, oh, it's rated to this many pounds, it's rated to this many pounds. It looks the same, but you're like, I had that on my quad before I broke it like yeah a hundred times or like whatever, and then finally I just said, okay, I need to buy the, the, like, real, the real stuff. Um, yeah, I wouldn't trust that for uh, for being my bridge for for sure. But, well, I mean. But- it, m- all that to say, like when you're, if you're going to look at like other options for like making your own rope and, and things like that, there are other things out there that may look good or whatever. I always, I always try and refer people to like, uh, he, he, he happens to be the, the tethered guy, right? Greg, uh, but G2 Outdoors has that video of like a bridge or, uh, a, a broadhead versus, yeah. Whatever your rope is. And so it, it shows all these different multi-core ropes and am steel and like hitting it with, and then there's, he does it with paracord and it's like, as soon as you hit it, it's just like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. you're falling. Um, and so, you know, for guys that are trying to do this, you know, DIY or piece together their own stuff. Um, I, I don't want this to sound like we're saying, yeah, go out and just, find your own ropes or, or, yeah, or, or, be cautious. or whatever, you know, you can, you can definitely even like, I mean, I've gotten to the point where now when, when I buy anything on Amazon, it's like, man, I'm, I feel I'm, I'm very cautious because it's like, there, there's so many like misleading and counterfeit. Yeah. Like, counterfeit products out there. It's like when it comes to something like that, I'm not going to trust 
what they say on Amazon because anybody can get on there and sell their shit, you know, pretty much. So, yeah. And I think the other thing is when it comes to being able to tie knots and stuff like that, that you know, so many people have zero experience with that stuff. So if you're going to be tying knots in your tether that you're going to hang from, <laughs> yeah, you know, if you have no idea what you're doing and you're not willing to take the time to do the research and figure it out, you're far better off buying from a company that has already tied the knots for you or sewn a spliced eye in or whatever and just pay the extra money. You don't have to think about it. It's safe. It's done. But if you are going to make your own, you know, you owe it to yourself and to your family to actually do the research and make sure that you know exactly what you're doing with those knots, you know, because when you're hanging, you know, and putting your life in that line, you don't want to be just sitting there going, well, I can't tie them out. So I'm and hopefully that'll hold me, you know, <laughs> right. you want to know what you're doing. So, you know, it's, it's great to be able to hop online and go to a good reputable source and buy a hundred feet of rope and make yourself a tether and a lineman and maybe even a rappel rope. Um, you know, if you want to get into that stuff, but if you don't know what you're doing, tying knots, you don't have any business doing that yet. You know, and it's tough because it's a cool thing. You know, everybody wants to, like repel right now ones that can repel and that's it's a really cool you know great way to to climb and to descend the tree everything but there's a level of skill that's required for that you know you're not just gonna take a guy that has never done anything but use a climber and all of a sudden now you're gonna one stick and repel (laughs) and you just got hit two weeks before season starts you know, you'll like, end up on your flat on your back at the base of the tree and freaking roots. <laughs> that, that's the stuff that scares me, honestly. You know, it's it's the type of thing that hey, it's I'm really I'm excited to see it out there because it is fun. It's cool. I've got all the stuff. I do it too. But um, you gotta do the research, do your homework, and understand the stuff and know what you're doing. Not the same as going and grabbing that thirty dollars set of sticks at Menards running them up a tree and hanging your big dog tree stand with your two ratchet straps and you're hunting, you know, right. it's a totally different world. Well, that's a great segue. Cause I wanted to talk about that side of it from like a new person's perspective or how they would be looking into it. But, you know, just, you know, tongue in cheek, when you say that and you guys are talking about it, it's like, you know, when, you know, you go to Eastern Woods Outdoors and there's like the ultimate one stick. They should have like a checklist on there that says like, how long have you been saddle hunting? And like you pick the drop down and then the price goes up like $300 because they require you to buy a spot or an in-reach or something. <laughs> 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 like, yeah. Are you uh, <laughs> certified in climbing with the ropes and rappelling? But- I know. Yeah. It, you know, maybe that's in bad taste because I'm sure that there's plenty of people out there that are perfectly capable of it. But, um, you know, for guys that are like, again, I, I feel like, you know, I've got, I got this list in front of me. And so we've gone through a bunch of the stuff, but like one sticking repelling, um, SRT, DRT, you know, for these guys that are jumping straight in and there is such a social media influence there is such a 
um, like resounding, uh, like echo chamber of internet know-it-alls that say, there's a guy that says, hey, in search of like Hawk, you know, two or three step sticks, and it won't take five comments before you got the guy that says, just get a one stick, like SRT, like, you know, and it's like, what is your background How to be recommending this anyways? And what is the purpose for, you know, uh, for, for going like that route? Well, so the SRT is a single rope, right? Mm-hmm. To me, it's like, I mean, don't you have to go and throw the rope up the tree, right? Mm-hmm. To get it up there in the first place. So if you're going to be walking into a spot, trying to be quiet in the dark, how the hell are you going to SRT? You're going to be down there throwing up a freaking rope over a limb and hoping that it goes over. Well, if you did all of your scouting and all of your things, you'd have all these little paracord rope presets where you just walk in there. So you're just running all your scent through the whole woods and you're just, you know, pushing everything out. John. I'm just one. You're old, John. Yeah, I am. I'm old. (laughs) I'm old and I'm fat and I'm out of shape and I'm definitely not doing any one sticking. I mean, it was hard enough to get me to give into the saddle, but no, I love that now, but yeah, but. well, I, you know, I, I sort of, I use the analogy of, you know, we all learned how to drive, you know, at one point, right. And driving an automatic is driving an automatic. That's like, you know, hunting from a tree stand and, or your basic saddle setup, you know, you've climbed up the sticks, you know, how to hang platform, you know, how to tie into your safety harness cool. You got it. That's your automatic. But when you start talking about, Hey, I'm going to one stick and repel. Well, that's like switching over to a manual transmission, right? Well, come you on, don't man. Learn- I started driving with a manual. So I got, hey. when I got to automatic, it was like, man, this is the shit. <laughs> but how many people have no idea what to do with that manual transmission, right? right. It takes the practice to get good at it. So, I mean, that's the type of thing that's like, it's the same thing as your one sticking and repelling or your SRT or DRT. They're viable methods. You know, they're great ways to go about it. But if you try to do that at the same time as now you're brand new to saddle hunting, you're, you've never hunted this way and you try to throw in the most complicated way to climb as well. It's like drinking from a fire hose, you know, not everybody's going to be able to handle that. And I mean, some are, don't get me wrong. I mean, I know some guys are going to jump right in both feet and be just fine, but it's like jumping straight into a formula one race car, you know, like, okay, I'm going to handle this around the track. Come on. <laughs> well, I just listened to like a, a, a new podcast, um, uh, going for broke outdoors. It's actually, uh, Jeremy Gillespie. He's the guy that, uh, was like Tim Buno's, uh, partner when they were got all those hundred and some odd sheds in the one year guy moved out from Michigan. He started a podcast going for broke outdoors, but he was talking to Dan Infault and uh, Dan said he ran into this guy and uh, he said, I always hunted this farm, same farm and I killed some deer. And he says, I heard you talk about, you know, going out and uh, 
you know, going finding these bigger bucks on public land and how you have all this freedom and all this stuff. And he goes, I got out there and I started looking at it. And he's like, I was up to my waist and muck and I couldn't get out of it. And he's like, this is not as advertised. Like, this is beast hunting. Like, I don't want any part of this. And I just, I just see like the same kind of like analogy there, like where, you know, for a guy who's never saddle hunted, maybe never mobile hunted, maybe, maybe never climbed a tree before. And then you want to go to like some of these, what I would say, like maybe like more advanced setups and you've got uh, an army of internet commandos saying, this is what you need. This is what you have to do. Um, and on the same token, you know, and, and, you know, Tim obviously is uh, putting his money where his mouth is at, at that point. If he was going to tell somebody to one stick, I mean, he drives all over the state and I mean, he drove to New York and did a teach and train out there, um, you know, and not offering like to show anybody how to do this or like, you know, you know, I, I think that that is one of the biggest things like for us, we've been fortunate to get to see all of this stuff ahead of time and see the technique and see how people do it and be, you know, get to like, again, like pick up all the stuff and say like, Oh, this one's better than this one. And this one fits me better. And, and, you know, to, to watch it all. Um, that's one thing that I think is like lost on like in internet chat or like, you know, you can't see like facial expressions and texting and stuff like that. Right. But why is John always yelling at me? Right. But (laughs) you know, my whole point is this, I mean, yeah, I was skeptical of the saddle when we first, when you first got it, like laughing at it, like, uh, you're not getting me in that diaper and blah, blah, blah. But then once, you know, I had some issues with my stand and the weight and bulk and all that. And then I tried it out going from carrying 60 some pounds of gear in, I mean, I still carry a lot, but my point is to the, to the new guys, don't read into the hype. You don't have to go in one stick just to do it. Go, I mean, carrying three sticks, four sticks. Nowadays, I mean, like my sticks are aluminum and they're still, they're pretty freaking light and they're not the most, they're not, you know, $200 a stick. My point is though, it's like you carry, what's the, you're carrying in one stick or four, you know, and it's like to go through all that extra you know, those extra steps to do the one stick. And for me, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm old compared to a lot of these young guys pushing 50 and not as agile as I used to be. So just putting the sticks on the tree and climbing up and then climbing back down. I mean, for me, I don't see the advantage of doing the one stick. I can get in, get up quietly Whatever, even when I'm using my wild edge steps, you know. So I'm just letting the guys know. You don't have to read into the hype. You don't have to do the SRT, DRT, whatever. You don't have to one stick. Just buy three sticks, four sticks, you know, with an eight or if you want to get up a little extra. And, you know, just take your time, get up there quietly. That's my biggest thing. You know, I think it's it's real easy to overcomplicate it or to let it get overcomplicated because you spend any time at all doing a little bit of research, it, it gets really complicated really fast and everybody's got their opinion on stuff. But if I've learned anything from doing all the demos and teaching trains that I've done, it's that, you know, every single time 
you do your demonstration of how I climb, how I set up. There's so many people that look at it and go, oh my goodness, you know, like I just learned so much from that. I've been trying to figure this whole thing out and it never made sense to me. You know, every single time I do it, you know, you get all that, you know, the light bulb moments from so many people that it doesn't have to be complicated. Cause I try to do, you know, every time I do a demo or a seminar or anything, it's, Hey, I'll show you how I do it. This is how I climb, how I set up. And I do it the most simple way possible, you know, cause I, yeah, I can show how to one stick and repel, but there's a certain level of like, you got to be able to, to manage that much rope. You got to be able to manage, you know, your descent from, from up there. I mean, how many, how many times did you ever repel before you saddle hunted? If this is the first time you're ever doing it. You got a lot to learn, you know, right. and <laughs> you really probably shouldn't do it. The first time you're trying to figure, you know, do this in a hunting scenario out in the woods where somebody's going to have to come rescue you, <laughs> you know, but when you do these demo days, you know, for quite a few years now, I've had guys that show up and do the, you know, the SRT and, uh, one stick and, you know, repelling and stuff. And you see all the stuff. And when you watch it done properly, it doesn't look complicated at all. But if you try to do it on your own, right. With somebody coaching you through it, I mean, you're, you're just not going to get it for the most part, you know, not right off the bat anyways. Most people aren't. And, uh, I think it's, it overcomplicates it. I, it's fun to see the evolution of, you know, kind of what the sport has become because there's so much cool stuff there, but it, a lot of the time it is just far too complicated, you know? And like you say, John, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm old. I want to make this simple. I'm going to get my sticks and strap them to the tree and climb up there and I'm going to hunt. I don't want to have to worry about learning how to use, you know, what ropes and what ascenders or descenders, you know, what, what all do you need? And right. And that's my it, whole point it, is like, do you it really, can be so exactly. Do you really want to complicate it that much? It's, you just want the nice, simple going in the dark and just, you know, walking with Adam, it's hard enough to find the tree, you know, without, <laughs> you know, walking ZZ top emblems through the woods and shit. But, you know, so when you get to the tree, you're like, shit, I just got to get up there. So, John, you just said that you're old and overweight, so he's just helping you out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to get my steps in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was, I had my workout that day. I was at the bottom of the tree with my shirt off, sweating. I was probably glowing. So, so Tim, like recently, like for our, the Marco Polo group and the, for Patreon there, um, you did like a full on, like laid out your pack, your pack weight and, and everything. Did you do that for your one sticking setup also? I'm just curious as to like what the difference in like the actual weight is. No, I, I didn't. Um, honestly, you know, to tell you the truth, the one sticking thing is, is kind of fun, but I've never hunted that way. Um, I've, I've got all the stuff to do it and I mess around with it here in the yard and, I feel like I'm pretty proficient with it, um, but I just haven't, I haven't done it. I have repelled. I do, I do really like repelling out of the tree, um, especially when I go, if I go way back into a swamp somewhere where I know I'm all by myself and, you know, I'm not hunting with anybody else, whatever, if it's the safest way for me to get out of the tree. 
I'm not having to, you know, try to find my aider as I'm climbing down or anything. I just start riding the line down and strip off my platform and my sticks or my steps, whatever I'm using on my way down. But, you know, the one sticking thing, I haven't cared enough about it to say, hey, I wonder what the weight difference is. Because, I mean, I'm with my full kit, everything aside from a couple of snacks and some water, um, I'm at 16 pounds right. with my three sticks, my aider, my predator platform, my saddle, my Doyle's gear hoist, my all my ropes, um, my little limb saw, you know, all the stuff, my kill kit, all that my pack everything it's right around 16 pounds so that's not a lot of weight you know no that's not, not at all i mean that's everything. that's john snacks yeah <laughs> <laughs> so real quick though like so you have all the stuff you've done it you're proficient at it we've seen you one stick um why haven't you uh done it because i think that that's well, so you Very, just, but that's answered that. Well, well, no, you just said that you haven't. I mean, do you feel like you could go into the places that you could hunt and get up the tree quiet enough and in and and get set up like in such a way without spooking anything? Or I mean, I think I see what you what you're getting at. Yeah, it, you know, there is a perception, and I think it's valid too that one sticking can be a lot of extra work and noise. Um, but really any climbing method can be. So like, I don't know when you're, if you're trying to just climb up a telephone pole tree, like you would in your climber, it's really simple. But when you get to the point where you have to navigate around limbs, well, now you've got to get your tether out and get your tether up around a limb, clip into that, disconnect from your rope and advance that past your limbs. So if you have to do that a bunch of times to get up in a tree, there's, you know, there's a fair bit of work to it, but it could be argued too, that you'd have to do that with your lineman's belt and your tether anyways, if you're going to use your lineman's and be a hundred percent tied in with that, you know, every, every step of the way. But, um, it is, it, it's a bit more, um, it, it takes a little bit more focus to me and that's just me. I mean, I've been climbing trees for a long time and I'm pretty comfortable hanging sticks and climbing up them. It just, it's pretty intuitive to me. So I don't have to, I don't have to train myself to do that anymore. <laughs> you know, so it's pretty easy to take my three sticks, my aider, my movable aider, and I just hang those suckers as high as I can reach, climb up the aider move up to the next one, hang it as high as I can reach, move the aider up and, and just keep going. Um, and really the only thing I'm paying is a two stick penalty, which I'm using these tethered one sticks. So it's two pounds. Right. <laughs> so that's about the same as my rope weighs for a rappel setup. So, yeah, like uh, again, you're proficient at it. You've been hunting saddle hunting for a lot of years you've hunted and we've talked on previous podcasts uh, on how you would use you know the nader suede or the wild edge steps and multi-step aiders and everything and you know the whole process of this and i'm finding the same thing and i I think john is, is working that way too is getting it like refined to where it's like 
just second nature, super comfortable. Um, and again, this coming from the, the idea of, you know, somebody wanting to jump right in and, um, to do one sticking or to do something of that nature. Like to me, the fact that you have all the stuff and you're not hunting that way. Um, I think it speaks volumes, at least to me. You right. know? Yeah, I get that. I think, you know, it's a, it's a personal thing. You know, it's one of those, if you want to devote the time to it and get really good at it, it can be a ton of fun and totally worth it to you. But let's, you know, if we're talking about necessities, like what, what are the necessities to, to get through that barrier of entry into saddle hunting? One sticking is not part of that necessity kit, you know, and if you want to go that route and you want to get into it, awesome, more power to you, but it's not one of the necessities, you know, you need a way to climb a tree and, it's pretty simple and pretty cheap to go hop on camel fire at least once a week. They have cheap hawk climbing sticks or muddies, or you can get on, you know, just about any outdoor website, outdoor company website and find a really good deal on XOPs or lone wolf sticks or you name it there. You know, there's a ton of them out there and you can climb a tree. Wild edge steps, silent approach steps. Um, you know, <laughs> there's so many of them. Shoot, I've got a bucket of Cranford rope steps that you can get for six or seven dollars a piece. You know, and uh, you know, there's all sorts of ways to climb a tree that are really simple and really intuitive. You just you don't have to have anything special for it, or you know, special training or research or any of that stuff. And I don't know it it's sometimes it's fun to overcomplicate things when you've got the time and maybe the disposable income for it. But, um, man, just to be able to climb a tree and set up and hunt is the goal. You right. know? So people looking at it. Okay. Yeah. If I'm going to do the one stick, I'm going to save the price of buying say three timber ninja, you know, the carbon sticks or whatever they are, you know, yeah, you're talking a lot of money, but if you're just buying the Hawk sticks, or the XOP, even like my big old XOP sticks are what two and a half pounds a piece. So you're saving. Oh, those are those are three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah. Okay. Well, so an extra ten pounds. I mean, yeah, that would be a lot. But I mean, for one, after we did our elk hunt in 2018 out in Idaho, and we walked freaking 106 miles in eight days with 50 pounds on our back, and what we we each said like this freaking whitetail hunt. We get home. That's baby shit, you know. Two miles, we used to bitch about, oh, my God, I got to hike in two miles. Yeah, it can be a bitch going through the swamp. And, I mean, there's been the, the that one swamp that I come out of, that was two-thirds of a mile. It took me two hours, and it was driving rain. And, you know, I was cussing that freaking day and in fault, like, you <laughs> fucking asshole. You know, did even a video at the end, like, dumping my boots out. And, but, yeah, it can be a bitch. But to save... Six to eight, ten pounds over for me anyway. It, it's in the overcomplicating it. Keep it simple, stupid, right? You know, the, the kiss situation. So, so, so I, I 100% agree with you on, on that point. I think, I think it comes from like 
like kind of like okay i'm just literally like going down my list here but like like the misconceptions of saddle hunting like right like going well, from, into it. i gotta start out with this i gotta have a one stick set don't 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 dive into that freaking rabbit hole just get a saddle saddle and a stick set up and don't be afraid to you know don't let, you don't have to read into the hype and like i i mean so uh, tim i'd like you to chime into this like on the end of here, but like for me, my thought process is, and I kind of talked about it, like with the private land guy or like whatever, but it's like, what is your hunting style? So in what is your budget? Like those are the two main questions that I ask anybody, because if your hunting style is on private land, it's going to be way different than if you're like, for example, uncle Frank, who has a summit Goliath on his back. He's, you know, damn near 70 years old and still walking in, you know, a mile plus, you know, that mile plus guy with that big bulky stand is like, okay, well, I know that you're like a hundred percent mobile and you're used to picking trees and finding areas and all of that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. if you're a stand and stick guy, you probably already have sticks. You probably already have a lineman. So you might go, you know, skip the $200 saddle and say, okay, this saddle is going to be this. Are you an all day sitter? Are you a, a only a morning and, or evening guy? You know, what's, what's your, what's your thought process going into it? And like, why, why are you switching to a saddle? Is it because you're like John and you're saying that the weight and bulk is too much in my back? I've got a bad back and this is, you know, something that I, I see as a benefit for me. Is it because you want to hunt different trees? Is it because the internet says so? I mean, <laughs> you know, these 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 are the because Tim Clark told me to. <laughs> Just because well, these little he, tiny guys on YouTube make it look so easy. Yeah, there's a reason that I don't carry a climber around because it's four times bigger than me. <laughs> no, and it's it's good that you asked this this way because it's it takes me back to the conversation we were having on our Marco Polo group there last week or two weeks ago. Um, Wyatt did a, uh, gear dump kind of went through his pack and everything. And, you know, he weighed everything out and the weight of his kit versus what he had, uh, as a climber was way heavier than his old climber setup. And it was like, here he was getting into it thinking, hey, I'm going to get into something that's a lot lighter weight and, you know, more streamlined and everything. And here he had, you know, you, there's a point where you have to spend a little bit more money to get the really lightweight equipment. Um, and that's a that's just a fact of the matter. But um, when you when you take uh, a mobile hunting setup and you say, OK, every time I go set up, um, I'm carrying my climber in wherever I'm going. And sometimes I don't know where I'm going. Well, okay. There's a whole lot that goes into that, that you can, you can do like the pros and cons, the, you know, the, what's the benefit of switching to a saddle here, you know, takes up a whole lot less space in your car or your truck. It's if you're canoeing or kayaking in, I'm wearing my saddle instead of throwing a stand on the, you know, on the kayak with me or in the canoe with me when I'm walking through the woods, nothing is hanging off the sides of me, catching on all the brush and stuff that I'm walking through. 
I can track deer after I shoot them wearing my saddle with my pack, with my sticks, with all my stuff on it. And it doesn't matter where the thing goes. I've got all my stuff on me. I don't have to worry about taking it off because I can't fit through, you know, the nastiest swamps that I'm walking through. Um, there's, there's a whole lot of benefit for a mobile hunter. Um, but then it starts getting a little bit different. Like you're saying, when you take a guy that's on, you know, private land, I'm going to walk to, you know, the back of my 40 acres and climb up the same tree that I've been climbing up. Well, that's a harder thing to justify, you know, to say, yeah, it's, it's worth switching over to a saddle and incurring the cost that goes with it. Aside from the fact that with the saddle, you're not leaving it in the tree. Um, so that's one thing that I like to point out quite a bit, you know, for a guy that has, like I have, I have some tree stands out back that they stay hung up all year long. They're in the same spot. And every year I go out there and I'll either replace the straps or check and make sure they're still good, but they don't usually make it more than a year or two without being replaced. But with a saddle, you never have to replace those things from being left out in the weather, you know? So there's some benefit to it, but you just have to look at it a different way. Um, you know, the mobile guy, I, it's such an easy sell to me, but you know, you start looking at some of your newer higher end hang on tree stands. Some of those things are not much bigger than some of the larger saddle platforms. So, you know, it's not like the saddle is the be all end all to mobile hunting. I definitely don't feel like, you know, the saddle is the only way to go, but I mean, it's, it's the only way that I hunt, but there's so much good stuff out there but when you're trying to you're trying to jump into it and you know switch gears from being a hang-on guy or a a climber guy um my opinion you can streamline it so much more that it absolutely makes it worth it you can get a really lightweight small package that you know between your sticks and your platform that's your bulkiest things I mean, look at all the sticks that we have now that are like 16-inch sticks. You know, they're not three-foot sticks. You know, for a guy like me, I'm I'm five-foot five. So you put a three-foot stick on my back, <laughs> a whole different animal than John carrying them around. You know, yeah. I absolutely love having many sticks now, you know. I'm, <laughs> I'm just picturing you with the sticks like straight up your back and then me and John just holding on to each one side of it with you dangling in between. <laughs> I'm surprised yeah. you put up with this shit. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I learned at about third grade, everybody else was going to outgrow me. So I just laugh at it now. <laughs> but now like, you know, obviously Tim, you've got all of the, the tethered, uh, you know, all their demo gear with the, with the XL platforms. And you, you brought up like some of the larger platforms and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, the regular predator in my mind is like the standard by which all platforms would be measured. Although like I, I just, I haven't seen the new, I know that the, the XL, um, the casting was a little bit better. Um, not to say that there's anything wrong with it, but the, like the EDP, uh, the trophy line, trophy lines, castings done by Novix. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, lone wolf and, and that company have been casting aluminum stands for a long time. And those are, 
you know, just great looking um, platforms. And Trophy Line came out with that uh, mission when everybody was clamoring for a larger platform. Um, and with that larger platform came, you know, about a five pound platform. And the, as you know, Wyatt had showcased there, and I, we went and looked it up just to see um, that trophy or the, that Predator XL is four and a half pounds. You know, when you're talking about a beast stand that's six or seven pounds and it's gargantuan, um, your weight savings on that large platform. Now, John's a huge guy, you know, relatively big feet. I mean, I know some people have like size 14 and 15 shoes and stuff, and maybe they want a bigger platform. But like, do you, either of you guys, like see a reason for that big ass platform? Well, I use a regular Predator. Right. And, well, we we had the XL, and it's like, I really don't, I mean, I haven't hunted off the XL, but I love the the size of the Predator, just because for packability, putting it in my pack, it's not sticking out. And I can still, if I need to, I can stand up, turn around, and with my tether over my shoulder, I can stand there without, you know, I got plenty of room. Especially going from the ring of steps, you know, it's like once I went from the ring of steps to the, the An actual platform, actual platform. So for me, I don't, you know, I don't see it. Well, like I said, I haven't used it in a hunting situation. I stood on it and stuff, you know, we've did demos with them and stuff, but I don't, I'm sticking with my regular predator. What about you, Tim? Yeah, I'm the same. I, I really like the size of the, the original predator platform. It's to me, Obviously, with me being a, a smaller guy, that XL doesn't it doesn't suit me real well. But uh, I actually find like I could get away with a little bit smaller than a Predator if I wanted to. But I couple it with a ring of steps, especially when I'm hunting with my kids, because um, I can throw the ring of steps around and and put one of the kids on that Predator, and it's awesome. If I want to, you know, I want to throw a second Predator into the pack, I can which is crazy to think that I can put, you know, two platforms in my pack and it's not, you know, hanging off my side, clanking into anything. I love it, you know, but I can't do that with the XL. Um, I, I just think about it from like the, the, the new guy perspective uh, coming in and thinking that, you know, they're coming from a tree stand and like bigger is going to be better. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and I look at my, entry into you know what did i hunt off of at first i had screw in steps and when i was mobile hunting i hunted off the top of my climbing sticks you know there was there was no platform you know when i was hunting on private land if i could throw in a couple of screw in steps and make a ring around the tree i would um you know and i was i was just fine you know getting into it that way and it it can be comfortable to hunt from a ring steps that way. But now you take a platform, like, I mean, shoot, the Predator is, it's bigger than almost any seat on a tree stand. And you can pretty easily use a tree stand seat as a platform, so. Well, and that's why I really haven't chimed in. I mean, I hunted off of the, I had the Ridge Runner. I've hunted off the Mission. Um, but, like, I was using the Artisan Outdoor uh, fabrication platform. And I mean, 
killed deer off of it. I've been at full draw and multiple deer off from it. And there's, I mean, it's literally standing on a deck of cards, just two decks of cards along maybe. And I didn't really see any issues um, as far as like comfort at multiple all day sits. And, um, you know, it's on the top of the stick. So wherever the top of that stick lands, I mean, if there's a branch there, if I mean, you can get into inopportune situations. Sure. Um, but like for, for me going this year, going to be able to hunt off the wingman. Like that's like, you know, the, the greatest thing ever invented just simply because I don't have to set anything else up. And I have, you know, almost the same footprint as a predator. And so for the larger, those big platforms, it's like, I don't care how, I mean, uh, Adrian, you know, he says he's got big size, 14 feet, whatever. And he's like, you know, it's too big. He's like, you don't need it. The, mm-hmm. those, those big platforms. So, I mean, when, if you're talking about weight, if you're talking about cost, if you're talking about anything, I mean, I would seriously consider a regular size platform over an XL unless there's some extenuating circumstances, you know? I mean, I totally agree. I mean, you just look at the, the weight of them and you go from a, you know, standard predator at, you know, just shy of three pounds. Then you go to an XL and it's what, four and a half, four and a half. Yeah. So that's pretty significant, but, Aside from that, it's forty percent bigger. It's it's wider. It's you know it's definitely it's going to be outside of my shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things that if you're trying to cut bulk, that's a place where you can seriously cut some bulk by going to a smaller platform. Um, and it's great, you know. There's so many of them out there now. Like you're saying, the the artisan outdoors top of the stick platform that's a pretty cheap one you can bolt on get it to fit just about any stick out there um you know there's other ones too that are you know nice small compact little platforms sometimes those things are great to have as a um, you know a secondary platform to your predator or whatever else you have um to use it kind of like a ring of steps you know get to the top of your stick and you've got a platform there and then hang a platform on the other side and you can work your way around the tree that way if you need to. So what do you think is like the biggest misconception with like getting into saddle hunting? Oh man. You're going to shoot a booner. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think probably, I don't know if it's a misconception, but you know, it, there's there's this idea that, you know, everybody that gets one is going to, you know, get into any tree and be able to hunt, you know, go farther back in and everything. And it, honestly, I think most of us still hunt the same way as we did before. You know, <laughs> I used to hunt in a, out of a climber. That was my first real mobile setup was a climber. And for the first couple years, I looked for trees that were climber trees (laughs) you know i i don't think it really changes the way we hunt as much as we'd like to think that it does um right off the bat until you realize the benefits of it and what it's you know what the capabilities are um that's a good one but i I think 
you know, we all talk about being able to shoot 360 degrees and it's, you know, perfectly comfortable to hunt all day long and you can jump right into it and stuff. But I mean, all that stuff is totally possible, but it takes practice and time and experimenting with different things. You know, you're not just going to get into it and be comfortable right off the bat nine times out of 10, you know? So, you know, and that's probably why we see guys that buy them and next thing you know, they're up for sale and all right, nope, I tried it, didn't like it, I'm out of it, you know, because uh, it does take a little bit of time to, to kind of dial in your system. Well, I think I don't that... know if that's the biggest misconception, but I know it's a big one, you know, and, and we all are really good at selling it that way. Like it's, it's the greatest thing in the world, but I mean, in, in reality, it does take some work to get set up. So to figure it all out. Well, I think personally, like it's going to be whatever you make it from, from that perspective. And so like, you know, kind of like the, the Dan Infault guy, kind of like John cursing, uh, Dan Infault, you know, like if, so when I switched to stand and sticks, like I had a lone wolf climber, sit and climb hundred out of I mean, I got a garage full of climbers right now, but what I don't have is a lone wolf climber and I sold it that year specifically because I knew that I would go back to it. And so I had to like put the time in and use this system and like, you know, get through that first like learning curve. And I think that that's maybe a problem with guys, um, picking it up right before the season. It doesn't really matter like what kind of hunter you are. Like if you're, I mean, I would imagine if you're an extremely dedicated hunter, you wouldn't be buying uh, the setup right at the beginning of the season and, and, you know, trying to rush right into it for your first hunt. But like, if, if you're not, if your mind isn't a hundred percent in it, if you're thinking like, kind of like John did where he's like, well, I want to all, I guess I'll try it or like, whatever, I got to do something. Um, unless there's like a big, like super tipping point or something like there's been so many times where I've been like, fuck this thing. Like, <laughs> and not necessarily like the saddle, but just like the sticks or like the, the platform or like all that stuff where bow ropes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. like, all of those things, like, I mean, a better example for, for, for John, I think would be like, cause it just automatically comes to mind when he says that, but like filming, it's like, you know, I, I feel like making the switch or like deciding that you're going to film and like bringing all that shit and doing it all, all the time, like is a super huge commitment. And so if it's like, if you had like a, a solid setup and the only reason you're switching is because of like what everybody else says, like if your heart's not in it or whatever, if you don't feel that you need to make a change, um, you're just going to like revert back to like whatever you used to do. And it's going to be the saddle's fault when in all reality, you didn't give it a fair <laughs> shake. You know what I mean? Well, and I think that might be another one of those misconceptions too, is that, you know, you, you need to have every little, you know, every little thing that goes along with or can go along with it and it just overcomplicates it and it takes something that used to be streamlined and simple for you because you've been hunting out of your climber or out of your hang on for how long and now you 
want to jump into it. And it's pretty easy to buy the hype that you need, you know, 25 different new pieces of equipment, (laughs) you know, to saddle hunt when you need four, (laughs) you know, like you need to have a platform and a saddle and a couple of ropes. You're good. You know, (laughs) like there's, everybody wants to get into overcomplicating it and saying, well, if you're going to be a saddle hunter, well, now you've got to have this and you've got to have that. And you, you know, it's pretty easy to, to wait, go way over budget and get yourself into a, you know, completely different setup than you were ever anticipating. And for a lot of guys, that's just going to drive you right back to what you knew and what worked before. So, you know, like I was saying a few minutes ago, I mean, it, it's not the be all end all, you know, there's still a place for free stand and everything else for hang ons. But, you know, I, I think there's, there's a big misconception that you have to buy everything and try everything because there's a lot of us that are really good at doing that. And there's a lot of content creators out there that are really good at doing that. And it makes it look like, Oh, well that new thing looks like it's going to solve the problem that I didn't know I had. I better buy that too. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, I mean, you, you want the easy way out, but I feel like in doing this podcast, like, John, what do you think is the the number one thing that kills big bucks? Putting time in the woods. Like and it doesn't I mean, yeah, it costs your vacation time, your family, like whatever, but you know You gotta put a lot of the time amount in. of people that we've talked to in like the last six or eight months that talked about like spending three hundred days in the woods. Right. The gear like, doesn't kill the yeah. big bucks. It's your your time and knowledge and the only way you're going to get knowledge is putting the time in and then Bingo. you know talking to jake bush he says you know mm-hmm. then once you've you've done that you know you want the most streamlined system like what how you said like opening this podcast how you were like methodical and how you have like your own system and you want things a certain way um, I would say that that's another consistency too. Yeah. When you get to your tree, you know exactly how things are going to go, where this is at. Where, instead of fimble fucking around like I do, I'm like, fuck, where's that bow rope? You know, what, since I have six of them, you know, hauling up all my shit because I got, <laughs> you know, Adam dropped this off yesterday. Oh, I'll try that. Uh, I got a different camera arm. You know, at least it's not eight pounds now, but no. And, to back, back to the point about misconceptions or whatever, I'm just going to like elaborate a little bit on that where the first time I used the, the saddle, like you're like, here, take the saddle, try it. I loved it. And, but yeah, I had, you know, a little bit of experience with you talking about it and seeing you in it. And, but it, there's definitely like a learning curve on how you're going to climb a tree and looking at trees coming from like a climber background or even a hanging, you know, hanging hunt stand, you know, you're not always going to be able to shoot 360 degrees around a tree. I mean, most time you're not, I mean, cause you're going to get up in a tree with limbs and then you got to be able to look at it and say, okay, what's my strong side? What's my weak side? How am I going to get around that limb? You know, where are the deer going to, you know, you're going to predict where they're going to come from, which you never can, but you know, and then getting comfortable in your setup, knowing where you're going to put your tether, what, you know, if you're going to be a leaner or sitter, you know, 
you're going to use a pad, tree pad or knee pads, whatever, you know, there's definitely a learning curve. So the guys that get out there and be like, sit the first time, oh, screw this, this sucks. You know, it's not what, you know, all the hype was like, oh, this is the most comfortable. I can swing 360 degrees. Some trees you won't be able to swing around. You know, if it's a big ass tree, you're going to end up eating up your rope and you're going to be tight against the damn thing, you know, but. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the, you know, it's a good way to sort of look at the value that you get out of going to like the saddle tune up day or to, you know, a tethered teach and train event. If you can get to an event where guys are showing stuff off and how they, you know, use their equipment and stuff, you can figure out stuff. You can sort of watch how people do these things, see what people use, how they set up and it'll shorten your learning curve because it gets really frustrating if you don't realize, Hey, I'd be much more comfortable if I knew how to properly lean against the tree, you know, put my knees into the tree and work my way around it while taking a shot. You know, that one always blows my mind. The amount of people that, you know, are standing on the platform and go to draw the bow, you know, or simulate it and flopping all over the place. Right. Hang up there like a, you know, like a flag blowing in the wind where you know you put a knee into the tree and get some more stability and it really locks you in and then most of the time you realize oh boy this would be a great case for some knee pads i should (laughs) probably throw those in my kit you know and there's some great knee pads out there now some of them are really expensive and they're not as necessary as you know it's not necessary to have you know the most expensive ones out there they're really nice and if you can afford it they're worth it but you can get cheaper options too um but you know you when you do that in a you know in a simulated setting you know in a a demo setting it's so much easier to just sort of accelerate that learning curve get past all that stuff so you're not learning that the first time you go out to hunt out of it and then think boy this really sucks i hate this thing i'm never going to use it again and it's up for sale you know yeah just instead of reinventing the wheel you're shaving that that time off when you're seeing all the, and then you can pick and choose like, Oh, that's sweet. I'm going to, I'm going to incorporate that into my method. And then, yeah. Oh, I like how those guys hold their sticks, you know, with like Austin's, you know, the little clips and clamps and stuff that he makes. He mm-hmm. really, you know, he adds a whole nother factor to the, to the gadgets, but they're very purposeful. Well, in, in like, to my point, like in being able to see some of that stuff and being able to surround yourself with people that are willing to show you, um, you know, we it, it, like Tim and I, John's archaic and he doesn't look at Facebook. He's still got his hotmail email address. But if you, <laughs> if you, <laughs> um, if you look on Facebook in the amount of turnover of guys that buy gear and sell gear, buy gear and sell gear, buy gear and sell gear. Cause they're, they're chasing this like unicorn, right. Of like the best possible setup, the amount of money. Yeah. You might only lose 20 or $30 or whatever off the cost of buying something and then shipping costs and stuff like that. But you know, for, for a teaching train, for a, a saddle, uh, you know, tune up or whatever, like Austin's doing, you might be, that might be money better spent is to 
take a day, take spend that gas money, go there and get to see like the guys that person. are doing it. And you know, people that have right. experience, you know. And Absolutely. And it's funny at those things because you know, uh Eric Eric Redder came up to Muskegon in you know, came from New York, comes up here, and he's swinging around in all the saddles because he wants to check them out and finds one that he likes. And he's sitting in it, and then people are coming up to him and saying, "Like, hey, you know, are you working this event?" He's like, "No, I'm just sitting in the saddles," you know. But and he's explaining stuff to people. But the amount of people, like, it wouldn't surprise me if half of the people that were there were the guys that were giving all of the advice on facebook or whatever and then right. they come to the event and everybody kind of stands around with their hands in their pockets and they're just watching everybody and taking a look at the stuff and you know because i guarantee you, it yeah that's exactly what goes on yep yeah it, shoot, i hardly even respond to anything on most of those just because it just gets lost in the noise well that i just message everybody and like the yeah. people that choose to message me back like i mean i I tell them exactly like, you know, where I'm coming from. And I ask those same questions, but it's like, you know, and then like, if they want to call me out and say like, where do you come off? Like, you know, where do you get your information? I'll be like, fucking give them a video of like all the saddles in the world. (laughs) Here you go. You know? Yep. But I, I do everything that I can not to be a fanboy. I mean, obviously I have products that I like, um, that work for me, but at the same time, I, I completely understand where, you know, I, I think if you have the money, um, and you, money notwithstanding, and you wanted to really shorten the learning curve, like I think that cruiser XC with that pleat, um, it's a, it's a bigger saddle, but, uh, I mean, I think that solves a lot of the like first timer problems because um, it's a super comfortable saddle. I mean, it, it really is for damn near anybody, but you have to upgrade the bridge to an adjustable bridge. It's their high end saddle. So, I mean, you're, you're almost $300 by the time you get it set up just for the saddle itself. But, you know, for me, I'm hunting out of latitudes, low end saddle just because, that's all I need, you know, and it just is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's really no one size or one brand or one model fits all, you know, that's kind of the, the coolest thing out of this last few years of this saddle boom has been all the options that are out there now. But if you can't find one that's comfortable for you, you haven't looked hard enough, (laughs) you know, there's there's a lot of good product on market now. Speaking of product, what bow are you shooting right now? <laughs> well, uh, I had to go buy a new one here a few weeks ago. Um, so I picked up a new V3 um, in the stone color, which I think is absolutely awesome. So um, I've got it all set up. I switched over to a, a Hamsky limb driven. Um, so it's the hybrid hunter yep. on it. And then 
I feel like I'm cheating, but I threw on a Garmin Zero A1i site, and uh, that thing's ridiculously cool. <laughs> and uh, I've been really enjoying playing around with that. I've got like four different aero profiles that I've loaded into it now. So um, digging that. And then I'm still using my um, Knock to It. Love that release. Um, I've tried a couple other ones here this year, just seeing if there's anything that I like better, and I just keep going back to it. Love it. So, what arrows are you shooting? And then the arrows I'm shooting are uh, Day Six. Um, they're three uh, hundreds, and I've got the the aluminum. Um, they're fifty grain outsert on them, and then uh, one hundred and fifty grain heads so i'm using i've picked up some single bevel cutthroats this year that i'm really excited to try because i've got those suckers scary sharp and uh so i'm gonna that'll be this will be my first year with those uh, i've got a actually kind of a ridiculous pile of broadheads that i've been trying out and uh those ones are the ones that i'm most excited about so now have you have you been shooting those through your bow how are they flying they're flying great. Um, actually, I I had to swap some top hats out. But I had my field points were flying pretty good. Um, I was just about dialed in, and then I, I had a little bit of a tear. I was just I was doing some bear shaft tuning, and and I had a little bit of a tear that I couldn't get rid of. So I swapped the top hat out and just made a minor adjustment, and just absolute perfect bullet holes so i knock tuned all my arrows they're all numbered and and uh got them all just right and when i went back out to shoot again and threw those broadheads on they're perfect so sweet i've been shooting them out to 40 yards pretty consistently so at this point um i'm feeling really confident with those things so awesome so yeah what happened with the old bow thought maybe that we would just get past that (laughs) (laughs) no i i was actually going to swap top hats on that one um i had a little portable press that i was using for it and i was standing there talking with my wife while i was working on it and had it cranked down and as i was trying to remove the the cam i had the cam out of it like just just got loose pulled the axle and and uh was working on the top hats out and it came undone. The, the portable press slipped on it. And uh, so the limbs let go and it launched the cam and bent it. And so I was sitting there holding the, you know, last year's VXR. <laughs> it was all, all blown apart. And uh, of course, it, this time of year, trying to find new cams for the thing is like four weeks out. And so I decided. I wasn't going to wait four weeks, so I went and picked up a new one. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to have to bring that up, but he got a new Lord. bow press out of the deal. Yeah, I did. I, I looked at my wife, and she's like, "She goes, what just happened?" You know, because you know, just a quick little explosion, and just a boom, and it came apart. And she's like, "What just happened?" I said, "That just got really expensive." <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "What do you mean?" And I said, "Well, I think I'm going to replace this." cheap little portable press that I've been using for a couple of years and get myself a decent bow press. And, uh, I'm going to go buy a new bow. 
<laughs> she's like, oh, crap. <laughs> right. Yeah, actually, one of my buddies just stopped over to check. He sent me a text message with a picture. He's like, hey, will this work? And it was like the old Bowmaster Press, which I have. I've had it for years, and it used to work fine. But now on the new bows with the parallel limbs and the big cams, you really have to be careful. Yeah. And uh, I said, well, I have one of those in my in my tool kit. So if you want to stop over and just double check, and sure enough, it wouldn't. I'm like, it, it would probably do in a pinch, but it might end up, you know, costing you a bow. <laughs> but mm-hmm. And it did for me. It cost me a whole bunch. So I'm happy with the new V3, but. I'm actually pretty excited for the new cams to come in on the for the VXR and get that put back together and hopefully up for sale. So did you get the you obviously got the the V3 the 28? Yeah, yep, I got the 27. 27. Sorry. Yeah. V3 27, the VXR was the the 28, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's a sweet little bow. Um I actually shot a whole bunch of different bows. Everything they had on the shelf there at the archery shop. And it was between that V3 and uh, the Bowtech. I'm trying to remember the model on it. Solution SS? Yes, the Solution SS. That was the one. And that thing, that was a nice shooting bow too. Um, but between the two, the the V3 stood out to me. So I ended up going that route, which I have been a Matthews fanboy for a while. So it was sort of easy for me to pick that, but they both shot almost identical for me. And, uh, the one thing that I noticed that was a, a big difference, they had that Bowtech set up with the comfort mod. Yep. Um, and so it just had a real smooth draw all the way back and settled in real nice and shot real nice. Um, actually kind of felt like I was drawn almost like I was drawn less weight just because you kind of, it rolls over so much different than the V3 did, but the V3 is so much, you know, it's identical nearly to the VXR. So I was used to that one and it just pulls back and rolls over nice for me. And yeah, feels like it was like it was to be so. I've got it, got it shooting really well, and I'm extremely happy with it. Aside from the the really thin wallet that I have now, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. That's a pretty big expenditure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, unexpected anyway. Yeah, but, yeah. What's nice them the, with the well, even the your old bow. I mean, with that and the the V3, you got the switch weight. So if you you know do any kind of target shooting or whatever thinking around you can switch your weights your draw weights just by a mod so yeah that was that's i was looking at the the new atlas wanting that but even back i mean this is back like around the ata time when you know the bows were coming out and talked to matthews and they were like yeah you won't get it till like no sooner than june 21st and like well that won't fly because you know we we bring our new bows if we're getting new bows, we bring our setups to, you know, tack. And so we wouldn't even have it for tack. So I ended up going with the bow tack myself. Well, all of us got new bow tacks basically. Yeah. That's a nice bow. Yeah. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't 
real close to buying that thing. I was, it was definitely, I had one in each hand and I was going, ah, which one is it going to be? So the one thing though, if your wife would have been involved, she would have been like, well, you don't need a new press if you're buying the Bowtech because you don't have to, you don't have to have a press to change the, you know, your cam, cam lean. <laughs> okay. So I'll ask you a question. How many times do you take your wife to the bow shop with Never. You? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's pretty. You should buy that pink one. <laughs> well, so I'm looking at uh, four of John's bows that are all, well, I guess three of them. Uh, of If you ask his wife, they're sold to somebody else and John's just working on them. So, <laughs> hey, <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, I'm in, I'm, oh, I'm shit crick. <laughs> like what? You sold that bow already. Oh, it's back. Uh, yeah, well, I'm I mean, working on it. That's the beauty of always working on other people's bows and having a garage full of bows is like you can't even. But which one are you shooting now? Oh, but, this is. But these uh, this uh, I'm looking at all the bows in here are John's today. <laughs> so well, except for Adam, that little one, you and all your saddles. I I yeah. needed it for the podcast. Uh, yeah, I, I just when when boxes show up and stuff I like I just tell my wife like oh it's podcast stuff it's fine like yeah but yeah anyway Tim thanks for uh, coming on here and doing this and uh, other than Austin's uh, the Genesis 3D saddle thing do you have any teaching trains coming up or you're you're in full on hunt mode now no I think we're gears right into right into full on hunt mode for a while so um. We will be doing, I'm sure we'll be doing some more stuff, um, you know, probably after the first of the year. I'm sure there will be new products that we'll want to show off and stuff like that. So we'll be, be on the lookout for that stuff. I do still have the Michigan Saddle Hunters Facebook page that any of that type of stuff usually gets posted up on there too. So for those those guys in Michigan that, that's a actually every day I'm still getting dozens and dozens of requests to join that. So we're getting quite a few people in that and uh, anything new coming up will definitely be posted on there. And, uh, but at this point, nothing else is, is really planned probably till late winter. I imagine. All right. Cool. Well, perfect. We'll but, see you. Hey, in a- oh. Make sure uh, if you do have a chance, if you can uh, point out where you live, using your hand come to the genesis 3d (laughs) thing on the 25th because that's going to be a really good time so sweet yep really looking forward to that one update on my marco polo i'm up to 1744 new polos so (laughs) (laughs) you'll be busy for a little i gotta catch up you you got a lot of catching up in the tree stand that whole 18 hour drive would have been ate up with this People talking. Yep. Sweet. Uh, All right, Tim. Well, I think that's all we got for today. So, all right. right, Good talking, guys.